This is Get a Load of This Podcast, where we cover topics for truckers and entrepreneurs alike. Our guests are coming straight from the trucking industry and industries that directly influence and impact the truckers and trucking companies. We want to bring tremendous value to today's leaders and entrepreneurs and our future of the trucking industry. The common passion amongst our hosts and our guests is one thing. It's you. It's you, the people that make this country move, the trucking industry. Enough with the introductions. Let's get this load on the road. We are your hosts, Thomas, Cameron, and Ryan. Let's get rolling. All right, y'all. This is your host, Cam, with uh, Get a Load of This Trucking. And today with me, I've got special co-host, Ryan Young. What's up? What up? And then today, man, I'm super pumped. We got a cool, cool ass dude joining us today. We got Eric Youngblood. Eric, what up? Hey guys, how's it going? It's going great, man. Yes. Thanks for being here, man. Yeah, we're so appreciative, man. I, I'm excited about this one just because I think this will uh, this will be a great episode and touch on a, a lot of reasons why people, I think, get into trucking and how much opportunity there truly is in the industry. So I'm excited to dive into this today. So yes, sir. Hey. With you, so for those that, that don't know Eric, um, Eric's actually a truck driver, entrepreneur, I would say, probably is a better classification of that. And so we're going to unpack a bunch of things there. But with him being a truck driver, Eric, what is your CB handle name? <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, I'm newer to the game, so I don't have an official CB handle name. I wish oh, I did, but... Man, we about uh, to make an official old... one. <laughs> what did you say? I'm like, what if what if K Miyagi gave you a CB handle right now? What would it be? <laughs> uh, most people will probably just use my 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 last name, Youngblood. Most people just get a kick out of that. And like, <laughs> yeah. hey, I like yeah. I like Youngblood on the road. I think that's a good one. I, li- I like Youngblood too. I feel I feel like so. A little backstory. I've known Eric for for a really long time. So Eric's a good friend of mine and. I think for the longest time, Eric Eric didn't use his last name when he talked to people, just because I think it distracted them. From... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, he was probably tired of hearing the opening comments from my last name's Youngblood. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I like it. I get it all from uh, Jack Youngblood to uh, the movie. Yep, I, I got it all. <laughs> I, th- I think I would lead yeah. with that though, if that was me. So <laughs> it'll add some, it'll add a story and uh, make you memorable, even though you already are. So, um, Hey, I want to hear, you know, tell a little bit about your upbringing, um, you know, your past schooling exposure into the trucking transportation industry. What put you in the seat and led you down that road? You know, give us a backstory to where you are now. All right. Well, uh, I was born and raised in Louisiana. Uh, and then moved to Washington State when I was about 20 years old, and I was living up there for about 15 years. Uh, finished my undergrad degree at Eastern Washington University. Uh, went on to complete my MBA as well. Uh, yeah, love, love my Eagles. Um, from there, uh, I went and worked in aerospace, um, and that was a very interesting in- industry. That was my entire goal, uh, is, was to get into the aerospace industry. I did that, um, and then it was just time for me to move back home. So I came back home to Louisiana, um, and I was like, you know, I'm here now. I've got money in the bank. What am I going to do with my life? <laughs> so uh, one of the things that I always wanted to do besides working in aerospace was work with heavy equipment. 
So I was going to join the Heavy Equipment Operators Union. Uh, I wanted to give myself a leg up. Um, one of the ways to do that was to get a CDL. So I went ahead and I went to Prime Inc. was the first company I worked with. Uh, I got my CDL there uh, and planned to come back into uh, heavy equipment operation uh, to the union. But the money wasn't right. So I was like, you know, I can't go from making what I'm making now to not making that much, you know, and trying to survive off of that. So I decided to stay in trucking and uh, do heavy equipment on my own terms, which means buy the equipment myself and teach myself uh, how to operate it. So I run Open Deck, uh, which is basically what a lot of people know it's flatbed. Uh, I've been doing flatbed for about three years now since I've been in the industry. It's all I've ever wanted to do. Uh, no offense to guys who drive uh, boxes, uh, reefers, or drive van, but it's just uh, just not in it for me, man. I got to I got to I got to throw chains, throw straps, get up there and uh, roll tarps out, and almost get blown off the truck. It's just, man, I, I need that that rush. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, probably gives you a little workout. Oh, I bet. Yeah, it does. It, it keeps me out. It gets me out of the truck and gets me moving. So. Uh, as you know, it's like, uh, you know, how you go to college and you gain that freshman 20. That's definitely a true thing in the trucking industry. Uh, you know, I, when I got into trucking, I was a skinny guy. Uh, and then I got it, I got into trucking and, uh, gained a few pounds there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cause really, you know, when you're trucking, man, there's nothing to do besides drive and eat, you know? So that's kind of what you do. It can be a very unhealthy lifestyle. So you've definitely got to check yourself, get more active, get some exercise. Yeah. And a lot of that will come from the in, like internal motivations, right? And for just like you wanting to make sure you're healthy just for the sake of yourself, longevity, mental clarity and focus. Because, man, I can only imagine driving, you know, I don't know what shifts you're pulling, but eating like shit, just feeling bad. You're kind of rushed up on Red Bulls or whatever you're doing to try to stay high and alert. And then you crash, like mentally crash, right? And then you're fatigued and brain fog and just not as focused to, to get the job done. So... And we actually had a dude, Mark Monera, on our podcast who that's what his whole mission is, is um, driver fitness, positive choices, you know, while at truck stops, working out in the truck, out of the truck, just a bunch of different things with weight bands and little dumbbells and just body weight stuff, which was super cool. But even more, um, I thought was a, a better component of that is, is how to eat when on the road, because you guys don't have a lot of great choices when it comes to a truck stop, right? I mean, there's some, and I feel like it might be getting a little bit better, but for the most part, it's processed. I feel like uh, a lot of carbs um, and, and just poor food choices. So, yeah, what, what are you right? out there? Well, the, uh, you know, the food choices out here aren't the best. Like uh, Cam was saying, it's uh, a lot of fast food, a lot of McDonald's, a lot of Arby's. Arby's is everywhere. I don't know why there's so many Arby's. And <laughs> they got, they got the beef. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it really is a conscious decision to go in the truck stop and uh, pick out if you're eating at the truck stop pick out what you're going to be eating and uh, making sure it's the healthiest option uh, there are some guys who have a refrigerator and a uh, you know a microwave or a small stove uh, and they go to walmart and they'll stock up on food for the truck uh, to make sure that they're eating it have health have healthier choices to eat on the road um, I'm not one of those guys <laughs> because I'm usually gone Monday to Friday. Uh, I'm yeah. home on the weekend. So for me, it's just like, it just doesn't make any sense for me to do, do that. Um, yeah. so I choose to, uh, have more dry goods. Like I have a lot of, uh, like trail mix, 
Um, I, I eat a lot of fruit awesome. on the road, fruit and vegetables. Uh, I've been on a salad kick here lately. So when I stop at night, I get a nice big salad. Um, and I've been trying out either from Mama Pops or some of the major chains of different salads they have. So yeah. I, I've been enjoying that. It's actually, I've, I've lost a few pounds here. Ah, nice. <laughs> so, are you, doing, uh, are you able to stay active at all? Like when you get out, are you doing anything or do you kind of leave that for the weekends or, or what are you doing just to kind of get moving? Uh, so usually when I'm getting out of the truck, I'm uh, strapping or, you know, I'm doing something as far as my load. So that's kind of my movement. Um, I do uh, try to walk more places um, instead of being that guy that parks at the front of the truck stop I usually park towards the back and I at least get some a few steps in that way uh, but I should be a little bit more active um, than I am maybe doing more push-ups and things like that but that's one of the things I'm working on uh, is being more physically fit uh, I've started doing the push-up challenge <laughs> oh, nice. so uh, we wow. started I started doing that uh, so knocking out some push-ups in the morning when I first get up uh, and trying to do some whenever I stop the truck, um, and then working up from there. I got some buddies who are doing uh, the jump rope thing, so cool. I think once I get into the push-up challenge, I'll grab a jump rope and start doing that stuff. But it's always awkward leading that guy at the truck stop that's <laughs> jumping rope and stuff. <laughs> so I just like you know, it's like that self-conscious thing. Is like I don't want to be that guy that's like sitting out there, everybody's rolling by, looking at me while I'm jumping rope, but. That's more of a mental thing, and I think yeah. that's why some guys aren't more active. But once you yeah. get past that middle roadblock, I think it's uh, you'll feel a lot better. Uh, you'll have more. Like, look at that guy taking care of himself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what an asshole sitting over there on his cloud of judgment, <laughs> casting his stares at us. <laughs> Eating a salad. Who eats salad? Yeah, yeah. man, that's yeah, cool. Exactly. What? Uh, so a couple of things then with the open deck, um, what's the cargo that you primarily haul? And then the other one is what regions or zones or states do you run um, into? Where are you going? All right. So uh, primarily what I haul are unfinished goods. We call those raw products. Uh, so basically I'm hauling uh, lumber, um, pipe, um, um, OSB boards, what I have on my truck right now. Uh, things in those areas. Um, so uh, steel, uh, all that type stuff. Uh, okay. Region I run, for me, um, I am leasing a truck from the company I'm with. I'm called a lease operator, but it's basically an owner-operator. Same thing. So yep. guys get very technical about that. But um, <laughs> so for me, uh, the, my truck isn't really geared to run in the mountains. Uh, so I like to stay in the south with, southeast and the, I call it the mid-south. Uh, I'll go up as far as north as Indiana, uh, but usually I try to, as far as east I go is uh, Birmingham, Alabama. I'll occasionally dip a toe into like South Carolina or Georgia, uh, and then usually I'm running more west going into Texas, like the Houston, San Antonio area. Oh, right on. Awesome. And Ryan actually was just telling me, didn't you make a trip out to Texas to hit a show up or something? Yeah, I did. This past Thursday, uh there was a show out there. So, um, you know, I'm out here working and what's the point of driving all these places and not enjoying it a little bit. Right. So I was able to, uh, take in a show Thursday evening, see Erica Badu live. Uh, so that was awesome. Uh, I had a great time and then, uh, woke up the next morning, called my dispatcher and said, all right, I'm ready to get out of Houston. He said, okay, well give me a few minutes. And, <laughs> and Man, he got that's... me a load going to uh, Memphis for Monday. So, that's really cool. I think that's one of the the draws to that um, 
job, right, Eric, is like you get to see some cool places that, you know, a lot of people probably won't have the opportunity to go to. And this provides that as part of the job, like you're just naturally going to start seeing some great scenery, some awesome um, cities, towns, and, and like you said, you know, hit up a show halfway across the country as part of your work, man. That's badass. Exactly. <laughs> love it. Love it. Um, so tell us a little bit about like how your structure works with the company you're working with. So, you know, you say you're a leased operator versus an owner operator. I guess first, if there is a difference, let us know. And if there's not, just let us know like how your role works and how your, you know, structure works. And do you have freedom of where you go, loads, et cetera? Like, do you get to pick and choose? Yeah. So the company I'm with, uh, it's called Blair Logistics. That's where I currently work at. Uh, it's a great company. Um, we do have some owner operators. So basically, when you're owner operator, it means you basically bought your truck uh, somewhere else and leased it back onto the company. Came, brought it back onto the company, right? When you're a lease operator, it means that the company owns a truck and you're paying the company for the truck. So for me, there's like a weekly deduction that comes out. And for most owner operators, either their truck is paid off or they just are paying the bank or whoever once a month. Right. But for me, it's a weekly expenses. And it, it can be kind of spendy. It's it's a little bit more stress. But um, so the way uh, our, our breaks down for us, as far as my pay is, I get 70 percent of the load. Right. So um, I, we get what we call a, uh, a rate con sheet, which is a rate confirmation. Uh, and of that rate con sheet, let's say the loads for two thousand dollars. Um, I would get 70% of that, but I also get 100% of the fuel surcharge. So let's say the load pays $2,000, but the fuel surcharge is $300. I would split up the, uh, the rate for the load 70%. Um, I would get that. And then I would get the fuel full fuel surcharge to pay, help pay for my fuel. Okay. Now are and you so set like up on a 1099 there, Eric, or how do you get paid for distributions of the funds? Yes, I am a 1099 contractor. Uh, I have my own business, so I have an LLC. So the money rolls into my LLC's bank account, and I'm leased on to the company via my LLC. Right. And so so with the LLC structure, is this – I know you and I have talked, obviously, a lot about business in the past and, you know, different, different tax structures and just company structure. Is this, like, the same company that you've potentially had for a while, this one you opened up recently? when you started in the trucking industry? Uh, this was one I opened up recently. Um, I opened this one up a year before I actually got into the lease purchase side of things okay. because I knew I was gonna have a logistics company. Right. So I opened it up a year prior and I kind of let it sit until I was ready to make this jump and either A, buying my own truck or leasing on. I decided that I wasn't sure the owner operator life was a life for me. So I went the lease route, right? Because it's what we, it's what we call a walkaway lease. If I decide that I don't like this, it's I'd rather go be a company guy or I want to go do something else, I can drive the truck back to the yard, uh, make sure it's clean, turn in my keys, and walk away. Right. right, right. Whereas when you know you're owner operator, when you make the obligation to buy a truck, it works a little bit differently. You know, if you try to turn that truck in, well, you still might end up paying for that truck. It works the same way. You know, when you decide there's a car you have and you don't like it anymore, it works the same way. So. Right, right. Um, I decided to go that route, um, and I don't regret it at all um, with what I'm doing. I've actually brought a couple other people in with me um, to go this route. Uh, I was able to uh, make a quite a bit of money so far. Uh, I won't complain about that. 
but the biggest thing that I find that guys don't do is rates are great right now. I'm sure you guys have heard this, yeah. but a rainy day is coming. And I always make sure that I'm putting money to the side from rate, the rates drop. But also, I'm I'm buying other assets to where I can move out of the driver's seat sooner than later. Because, awesome, uh, right. again, trucking wasn't my end goal. So my end goal is to be operating heavy equipment and be some more localized. So that goal, that end goal is still in mind. So, but I'm utilizing this resource to stack up money and to buy the assets that I want to be able to do that when I so choose and get ready to do it. So it's a means, it's a vehicle to do other endeavors. And I want to unpack a lot on that, but let's just back up to towards the beginning of that, just for somebody that may be listening to this, that might be a company driver and is like, man, this is a, um, a route that potentially I want to do because it's exposure into kind of owning a business without taking all the risk of stepping out and owning that business, especially if something tanks and crashes and, you know, what have you. Um, when you looked at deciding, okay, I'm going to set up an LLC versus an S corp versus C corp versus, uh, being an individual, what landed you on the decision for the LLC and are you taxed as an S corp or how are you structurally set up and, and what led you to that decision? Uh, so currently I'm a single member LLC, okay. uh, and I talked with the CPA that we have on at the company. So, uh, setting up the LLC was easy. Anyone can go and do that through your state, your state's website. You don't have to hire someone special to do it. You don't have to go through legal zoom to do it just to set it up. You can go and set it up very easily through your state's website. Uh, and in Louisiana it cost me about a hundred bucks, depending on where you are in the country, it, you know, California, I think it costs them a couple hundred dollars to be able to do it. Um, so that's, that's where I started. But the beautiful part was there's a CPA at the company that I work with. So I was able to, to talk with my CPA, make sure that my structure was set up right and talk about how we're doing the taxes, how much to set aside for the taxes, which when I get my gross pay, I take out 30%, put it into another account for my taxes uh, to make sure that I have enough money in that account to pay at the end of the year. Right, because when you're 1099, they don't take out taxes. <laughs> so you I, get I learned that at the age right? of 20. You know, you get a <laughs> Surprise! Yeah. You know, you get that four thousand dollars paycheck. And you're like, oh yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> but you got to be disciplined and put 30 percent aside, or the end of the year is going to come and smack you in the face. And you're going to be like, what? <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a common thing that most people overlook. Oh yeah, and it bites a lot of guys uh, in the butts later on. So. It's something that you want to be mindful of. Definitely, you want to have a great CPA. Uh, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, get one that's well-versed in trucking um, because they know all the loopholes and the things that you can write off and can't write off and how to make it, uh, how to lessen your tax burden. Awesome. Yeah. And then now fast forward for the vehicle. Um, are you planning on getting additional trucks potentially to lease on and put drivers in the seats as a little mini business structure under a business or what's your kind of long-term plan with trucking to get you back to the local heavy equipment operators? Uh, so for me, I would never own trucks. Just no, no, it's, okay. it's too much. It's too much of a headache. Um, you have, there's too many factors that involve with, and the biggest factor is the drivers, uh, finding good drivers and keeping those good drivers in the trucks. Um, and you know, if a truck breaks down and they're halfway across the country, somehow you got to get that truck towed 
and then you're at the the mercy of the uh, the repair shop where you are, and it's never cheap getting it repaired out of town. They're always gonna gouge you a bit. Um, so for me, it's not worth it. If I was to go and stay in trucking, which it seems like everything's trying to keep me in trucking, but <laughs> um, money is in the trailers. <laughs> And I try to explain this to guys. I'm not the first guy to come up with this concept. There's companies like Landstar that are out there uh, that have already been doing this, like Mercer. The money's in the trailers, right? So a trailer is easy to insure and it's easy to maintain, right? Maybe if you got to buy all new trailers for the tires, maybe $2,000. If I got to completely go through a trailer, maybe three or four grand right to completely redo a trailer and it'll be good to go past DOT and I probably wouldn't have to worry about it for at least a year year and a half right um, so I would just buy trailers and then hire owner operators and have them pull the trailers and do a percentage split with them uh, that way you know they've got and then would you run the would you run the brokerage side on the finding the loads and like dispatching as well in that model then is that kind of the thought process there yeah. Yeah, uh, I would either A, uh, hook up with a company that's already doing that, that's already got the contracts, and I'm just bringing them the trailers, and uh, maybe I'm interviewing the owner-operators okay. to do so. Uh, for me, I have no desire to own a brokerage, but I know some people who do have their own brokerages, right? So it would be a beneficial situation for them because they now have trailers available to be able yeah. to pull those loads. Uh, so, you know, they can take their percentage off the top, whatever, however that would work out. But um, if I was to do it, um, that's the route I would go. I would just own strictly trailers and find owner operators to pull them. No, I like that, man. That's a different angle and insight that I guess I really hadn't thought of. So that, that's cool, man. I like that. Yeah, it's fantastic. And so, and, and you want to use that as a vehicle for like a local company or would you kind of do that on the same or try to do that on the same scale as like some of these other companies where you might have long haul guys and then you might have your separate side business that is the machinery is that more where you're heading or potentially both yeah that, that's that's an option uh, honestly i haven't delved too far into it um and thought about thought out how i want to completely do it uh, to be perfectly honest with you um, but you know, I'm working with a couple of different guys that I know that have started trucking companies, um, and I'm I'm watching them and seeing how their company's growing. Uh, currently, they're doing reefer and dry van, so I'm the guy with the open deck experience. So at some point, you know, I will come to them and say, "Hey, would you like to expand your business into the open deck world?" And I'm willing to go buy five trailers right now, um, and run it through underneath their umbrella of their of their company underneath their authority. And I just be like a, like a separate business or something like that, you know, that's still attached to them, but we run underneath their umbrella. No, I think it's a great investment opportunity. I think that because uh, you, you stay your lane in investments, right? Or at least close to what your expertise is. And I think that that's a very viable option. That's a great way to expand and get some residual income, if you will. So that's good. And you know what, man, I, I know I wanted to backtrack a little bit to talk about your LLC. So you and I have had some conversations in the past as well, and I feel like you're pretty well versed in this. Um, obviously, I know you're not a tax professional or an accountant, so you know we don't want to we don't want to hold you to the highest standard. But when we, talk about, when we talk about when we talk about LLCs, I know that there are some good ways for entrepreneurs to work on. You know, I guess I guess getting the most bang for their buck at the end of the day, and you know, keep trying to keep as much of their money in house as possible. 
you tell us a little bit about like your understanding and experience with an S Corp, maybe as an overarching? Uh, I haven't gone that route yet. I I don't have enough um, employees underneath me yet, okay. basically. So from my CPA's conversations with my CPA, again, another CPA may tell you something completely different, okay. um, but I trust my, my CPA. But he was saying that where I am right now, just one truck, just me, right? Even though I have an LLC, it's still going to be tied to, everything's still going to be tied to me personally. So for me, transitioning to an S-Corp right now wouldn't make a lot of sense because it, it, everything comes back into the same boat as being built with my personal taxes uh, currently. Right. So he said, once you add on additional trucks and you have employees underneath you, then he said he would transition to the S Corp status. Um, but he said for right now where I'm at, stay where you are. Uh, his big deal was like, hey, just stay in the seat for two years. Uh, two years is the magic mark for in the trucking industry. Uh, once your LLC has been established for two years, uh, it opens up the door for you to be able to go uh, buy a house with the income from your LLC, right? You can't really do it in the first year. The bank wants to see a longer track record, right? But once you get through those first two years, um, it opens up the door for you to be able to go do uh, bigger things. So currently what my goal is is to uh, do it like my CPA wanted me to and stay in the seat for at least two years. Uh, so that way we can really start opening the door to other opportunities. Yeah. Right, right. And two years is kind of a number in the insurance world in terms of CDL experience, um, two years in business. It opens a lot of doors for low insurance rates and insurability, which helps reduce the overall cost. I mean, if you're an entrepreneur, business owner, um, lease operator, owner operator, I mean, bottom line is, is you you want to reduce expense, right? And that that's the end goal. So I like that you have a plan. You're going to execute the plan, stick to it, and in long term, it will pay dividends um, just like everything else, right? So I think that that's awesome. Hey, what do you, uh, just kind of lighten it up a little bit here, get off a little bit of the, the boring structure topic, because uh, what do you listen to on the road? What's your go-to music, man? You got a playlist or like a genre or, or what, do you, what do you drop to? <laughs> You know, honestly, I listen to a lot of audiobooks on the road. Uh, I listen to that more than I listen to music, um, just because it's like watching a movie in your mind. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I um, I've taken advantage of uh, some library apps that have uh, where you can get borrow books from the library for free audiobooks. Uh, because if I listen to as many audiobooks as I listen to via uh, like an Amazon service or something like that, it, it would be super, super expensive to do. But uh, I, I listen to more audiobooks than I do anything else. A lot of science fiction. Um, I'm a nerd. I'll tell you that up front. Uh, I believe that things that are written in science fiction eventually become science fact. Uh, so it kind of lets you know what direction the world is going in and what people are thinking. Uh, so, but I do have some times where I listen to music, uh, listen to a lot of different things, love some Steely Dan <laughs> cruising down the highway. Cool. So, uh, yeah, for the most part, if you're stepping to my truck, I'm more than likely listening to an audiobook. Cool. What's, uh, the last audiobook or the current audiobook that you're on or your favorite one that you've recently listened to? Oh, uh, a book by Donahue Peebles. Um, I, I got to think of the Peebles Principles. Uh, he is a real estate entrepreneur. Uh, he's done a lot in the uh, commercial development space. 
Uh, and I recommend this book to so many people just because it talks about developing relationships uh, and leveraging those relationships and learning how long it takes for commercial real estate development to uh, to um, to grow. Um, yeah, so that, that's that's one of my favorite audiobooks. I listen to that at least three times now and I've had it for about a year. But uh, it's 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 oh man, it's, it's great stuff, especially if you're an entrepreneur. Yeah, that's sweet. Uh, one of the auto audio books I just finished is a uh, 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 book called Relentless by Tim Grover, which uh, I really enjoyed kind of some takeaways and stuff there. And I mean, I think that's super cool uh, where you can drive and gain knowledge, which, you know, your kind of dual use of time making money while driving, learning things that are going to add implied um, earning potential and knowledge to you down the road, man. And you can get well versed in pretty much any topic over the course of a year while working um, and get a education and, uh, you know, free tuition, if you will. So, man, that's <laughs> badass. Exactly. Yeah, I love it. Well, how about, how about Eric, when, when you're like tired, say, say, I know the other night you had, you had, a, you had a late load and the highway was closed, you're probably exhausted. Is there like a music that you put on just to like pump yourself up and like roll down the windows? <laughs> Oh man, uh, sometimes I will do, uh, the album's called Around the Fur, um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the name of the band right now, if I really need that kind of energy, definitely I'll go to, uh, to rock music, uh, I believe it's Deftones, but, uh, that's one of my favorite al albums there, uh, I'll throw that on and, uh, roll the windows down and, and make, th make things happen. <laughs> I start, like, moving. <laughs> It's like shaking uncontrollably to get your blood flowing or what? <laughs> oh man, you know sometimes uh, you know you gotta stop the truck and just and just get out and walk and stretch and yeah. you know especially if, I mean the most interesting thing you can do is drive that truck tired. So if I get to where I'm feeling that way, either a I'm pulling over and taking a nap, or b I'm getting out, getting the blood moving, getting the blood flowing back through my my extremities, uh, and um, you know trying to get back in the seat and get to it. Um, but definitely, yeah, you, you don't want to drive fatigued. So, you know, if you got to pull it over, take a nap or do some jumping jacks, do some stretches. We talked about that exercise that chuckers need, right? right, right. <laughs> so that, that's one opportunity to do that. Yeah. What's well, one of yeah. the most interesting things that you've come across either on the road, you've seen driving by or at um, a truck stop? And quick note, is it true that like trucker lingo, a truck stop is called a pickle park. <laughs> <laughs> that's a new one. I've never heard it. I've never heard it called a pickle okay, park. No, Maybe that's uh, in specific. Don't believe Google then. <laughs> I, th I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah you don't want dictionaries too much lately. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you see all sorts of things on the road. Um, I've got to the point now to where I'm kind of numb to it. Like, I, I just see stuff and it's like, oh, and keep rolling. <laughs> uh, I, I did have my first flasher. Um, I've seen that a couple times. One was a, a guy in Arkansas standing on a hill. And the only way you could have seen him if you were a trucker sitting up high enough, uh, he was doing something that I did not want to see. And uh, thankfully... I had blacked that out until you reminded me of some of the, the loose days. But uh, um, I'm gonna have to go back to therapy for that one. Well, but um, yeah, let's yeah, not unpack that just, here. Let's leave a paid prof professional to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but you see some interesting things on the road. Definitely my, my first uh, Lady Flasher was a very interesting experience. I, <laughs> I didn't really know how to respond to it. But uh, later I found out that I should have blown my air horn to show my appreciation for what was going on. Yeah, so. road etiquette. Yeah, Come on there, there is a girl that is still damaged by you not blowing that air horn somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, my goodness. Um, all right. So as far as your role as a trucker, obviously you're on your way to – I guess, I guess different ventures. Is there anything else that you want to do? Because obviously I think that something people fail to realize is that trucking can be a catapult. And then, you know, I kind of, that's been a theme of our conversation, but it can be a big catapult for you. You don't have to just be a lifelong trucker. You can use it as a way to gain revenue and a way to, you know, invest in other ventures and other hobbies on the side and potentially that can grow into something else. Do you have anything else that you're interested in? I know that you have a you know diverse wide array of things that you like would like to do as i think most people do but some people get stuck in the idea of they have to just have a stable job and do that and that's you know their anchor tell us a little bit about like maybe some other ambitions you have and well uh just like uh, a lot of my mentors have told me all roads lead to real estate um uh, the end goal of everything that i'm doing is to own real estate um, so once you own real estate, uh, that's money coming in on a monthly basis, whether it's uh, commercial, residential, uh, those are additional funds coming in. Uh, you can also look at it as sometimes it's great just to buy land, just to hold on to the land. Um, one of the things that I want to step to is farming. And I will tell you right now, as a truck driver, farming is a great opportunity for you. And you don't have to have a lot of things to qualify for a farm. It's a great tax write-off. Uh, got that from my CPA. Shout out to him right, right. <laughs> for dropping that gym on me. Uh, I eventually want to get into anyway, especially as I get later in my years. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, it trucking is great in providing capital. Uh, it's a very capital-intensive business. Uh, you have a lot of cash flow that comes through your account, and if you manage it wisely and invest it wisely in other things that will make you additional money. Um, you can get out of trucking whenever you so choose. And that's really um, what I'm looking to do. There's a lot of guys who get trapped in the truck uh, because one, maybe they really like doing it, but there's some guys that don't like doing it, but they don't have great money management skills. Uh, you know, they come home on the weekend and they want to go blow all their money at the casino or, you know, um, whatever they're doing. But if you use your funds wisely, uh, invest in other money making opportunities, especially real estate, anybody can invest in real estate. Um, it provides you additional funds to be able to uh, step into other ventures. So for me, uh, like I said, all roads lead to real estate. So at the end of the day, that's really the end goal. I, I think uh, real estate is a great um, way to expand empire, a great way to build residual um, you know, wealth just kind of long term. Do you look at doing anything with investments as far as even potentially crypto or some of the up and coming methods for that or just traditional stocks or investments at all? Uh, I do have some crypto and some traditional investment stocks, uh, like the S&P 500, uh, the things in that arena. But for the most part, uh, I don't have enough money to truly be involved in those. I don't want to day trade. I don't want to mess with stock options. Um, I, I've talked to some millionaires, and it's funny. Uh, a lot of those guys, they stick with their main business, 
until they get to a certain number. And then once they hit that magic number for them, whether it's 5 million, 10 million, then they look to diversify in um, crypto or stocks. But they might not necessarily do that themselves. They may hire someone who has more of the capability and the time to be able to do so. Uh, so I stopped in that arena and I'm focusing more on what's earning me my cash flow now uh, so that I don't spread myself too thin in areas that I don't really have the time to dedicate to it. Uh, so I'd rather go this route and build up the foundation properly because I can always go in later on and drop $200,000 in the stock market and be right where that guy was that's been doing it for the last five right. years. So, um, you know, I, I've definitely moved away from the idea of FOMO, uh, fear of missing out. Uh, that's what drives a lot of people into different things and uh, keeping them off their off their square. Um, so my biggest biggest advice to people is stay in your square. If you've got something that's making money, keep going, keep reinvesting into it, uh, grow it, grow it, grow it, grow it, and then make your decision whether you're going to sell it or do whatever you're going to do with it. And then once you're living comfortably, then diversify into stocks and cryptos uh, and the things of that avenue because the markets fluctuate, you know, uh, but, you know, as construction guys know and uh, other guys who are doing trade skills know uh, right now, like they made money through the pandemic uh, and most recessions, they're making still making great money. So, oh, yeah, trade guys can make six figures, you know, after they've go, gone through apprenticeship and all that. I mean, that's a great living wage. I don't care who you are and what part of the country. Um, and I think uh, going back to kind of staying your square, and I, I, I believe a, a reason a lot of people fail when they start diving into investments is they don't put enough emphasis and energy and time into research and learning the market and learning how to trade and identify patterns. And, and you got to treat that like a job, right? How, how, like how many hours did it take for you to get your CDL? Yeah. You had to go to school. How many hours was that? Plus drive time, plus testing and equate that to any job you're going to do. You have to learn how to perform the job. You can't just throw money in and be like, all right, I lost money. That's why everyone loses money. Cause they, they're, they just don't understand. Right. They're just throwing money blindly because uh, of a Reddit group or someone on Yeah. And there's people that get lucky, which I think creates this false, narrative in people's minds that hey i can make money like i uh me being guilty of it i was talking to a buddy of mine who actually knows what he's doing but he goes hey um you know i'm gonna throw money in this because i was we were talking about it and he and he goes you know it's based on risk tolerance what do you want to do well i wasn't putting in money that's gonna hurt me so i said super high like I'll, I'll be as risky as it can be threw it in and i doubled my money in two days but he goes that's not normal <laughs> he goes don't ever do that this is not trading <laughs> so you know, it opened my yeah. eyes to be like okay that's why people get hooked because it's gambling if you don't know what you're doing it's a pure yeah. gamble and, well, and even exactly. if you know what you're doing it can be a gamble oh, it right? always because is. you don't know what the market's doing. The trajectory of you know yeah. investors minds really so you know, and Eric, I, I don't want to backtrack too much real quick, but since we did seem to lose audio, do you want to like do a quick recap of like other ventures? So obviously real estate, was there anything else in there that you mentioned? Uh, no, it's, uh, I was saying that all roads lead to real estate. Right. Uh, every multimillionaire that you read, every, every billionaire that you meet, they own a buttload yeah. of land. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's really uh, the, the end game for anyone who's looking to be uh, the stack up a fortune. We talk about generational wealth, however you want to look at it. 
you're going to have to have some real estate in your portfolio and you're going to have to have at least be a good chunk of your portfolio. I won't say percentage at all, but it's just going to need to be a good chunk of your portfolio. Uh, there's nothing like, I mean, I've been a landlord before in the past. Before I moved down here, I had a rental property and I sold it before I moved here. But there is nothing like seeing a check roll in at the beginning of the month that you literally put in minimal effort to do anything to get that check. Right, right, right. <laughs> so yeah, actually, uh, that's why I, I really dig Oh, no, no. I was, I was actually just going to say, I actually watched a video the other day of how, you know, like Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, and other of, you know, the largest entrepreneurs and billionaires have been buying up just massive amounts of farmland. I mean, some of them are in the, you know, millions of acres. And they're because it's so valuable, you know, and obviously, we know real estate itself is valuable. But like you said about farmland tax write offs, and just the fact that you you know you can kind of automate the land for the for the use of it and then as it becomes more and more scarce it obviously grows in value so i think it was saying over the last you know 40 years it's tripled in value to own farmland which i think originally wasn't obviously very much of an expensive commodity you can still make money off it it's still appreciated at a decent rate but now it's just like become more and more scarce and it's this great asset to add to your portfolio, like you said. So I think it's really cool, man. I think it's great. It sounds like you, you got your head on straight all the time. And that's why we wanted to have you on here. So we really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I think this is a good conversation, hopefully eye opening to those that can realize you can expand money to go make money for you and have other endeavors aside from your main vehicle or driver of income. I think the big thing too, to point out, and I had I don't want to speak for you, Eric, but I'd love to hear like your strategy. But one one of the things that I do, especially even with like my guys like Ryan over at the Valley Trucking Insurance side, is I make them write up a business plan, right? I want a business plan. I want goals laid out. I want motivations of why, you know, what's your reason why you want to do what you want to do, whether it's freedom of time, control of your schedule, kids, family, whatever it is, doesn't matter because you have to have a reason I feel more than just money because, I mean, money only gets you so far. And once you make that, then what, right? It, it's kind of, it's not going to fulfill you and get you up every day to learn. Like you're going to be on the road listening to an audio book about real estate investing. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're taking the steps necessary to learn about what you're trying to dive into. Um, how do you approach your strategies for executing these thoughts? So it's not just a FOMO and like, impulsive to just say, Hey, I'm going to go do this, or, Hey, I want to just get into real estate or, Hey, I want to rental without like truly understanding it. What, what was your approach to that and approach to it in your life? So I look at it as really, what's my end goal? Uh, where do I want to be? And when I'm in my twilight years, right? Uh, what does that look like? And I decided that for my end goal, um, it was to have a certain amount of capital coming in, right? coming into my life to be able to support, sustain my lifestyle. So that way I don't have to go to work. I don't have to work when I'm like 75 years old, because really that's where this country's going to. Um, people are going to be working way later into their twilight years. And I said, well, how do I do that with the things that I enjoy? Right. I like heavy equipment. I like real estate. I like working hard. That's why I do open deck. I, I like working. Right. But your body can only do those things for so long. Right. So that's where it came down to understanding that a real estate portfolio can provide all those things that I want. If I need a large sum of cash, 
I can sell a property. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, I, I can do that. Right. Um, it doesn't have to require me to still be physically working. I don't have to physically be in the office somewhere unless I choose to be. Once the portfolio is there, I can hire a management team to manage it. Um, so that's where my mindset was. What is my end goal? What does what do my twilight years look like? Um, how do I provide an opportunity for my children as well to um, take advantage of what I've built? Right. So one of the things about real estate is, is that I can put the real estate in the trust and put my children on as beneficiaries of the trust and that property continue going on with them to feed their family and maybe my great grandchildren, my great great grandchildren, right? If I do it correctly. Yep. But um, so that, that's how I ended up at that all. I mean, and it wasn't just me saying that all roads lead to real estate. Again, I have mentors that have helped to mold my mind to think in that way right but I, I tell people all the time when you get into business when you are thinking about things what's the end goal where do you want to end up and there are so many distractions along the way um, like i said i want to operate heavy equipment instead of driving a truck right now do i regret it no not at all but am i where i want it to be when i initially set out no. So I need to move back in that direction of where I want it to be and set myself up to move back into that direction. So um, I hope that answered your question. Yeah. But really, it's keeping the end goal in mind what this thing looks like when I'm done. Yep. No, I think uh, starting with uh, an end, I don't want to say goal because I don't think that really applies there, but just like an end realization of what that life looks like. What do you want your life to be? What do you want to be able to pass down? What do you want to leave as legacy and all that kind of stuff? So yeah, I think that answered the uh, the question perfectly. I I really well, like that. Well, you have to deduce, right? Yeah. You have to, you know, I think I think in any any conversation I've ever had with somebody who's big on building goals, it's deducing where you want your end point to be. So yeah, it doesn't have to be an end goal, but yeah, like how you visualize your life and then working backwards to figure out the steps how to get there. Because sometimes it's hard to learn what that first step is or what, you know, the next five steps are gonna be. And obviously they can change, but yeah, I think that's huge, Eric. Like really you just have to envision where you wanna be and figure out what steps it's gonna take to get there. Well, I think people put too much emphasis on outlining and researching and, analyzing what the steps need to be without actually taking a step. I don't think it's as hard as people make it out to be. They typically do, you know, they get analysis or, you know, paralysis by analysis because they want to perfect the steps before they take any steps to actually know, hey, this is what it's done. Now, obviously research what others do and find someone that you idolize and try to find a mentor and what they've done to get where they're at and like get some guidance. And I think the most important thing to ask anyone in a position that you idolize or want a mentorship from is, Hey, what are the failures that you encountered? What's your biggest regret? What's the thing that stuck with you? Not what you did as far as wins, but what were your failure failures so you can avoid those pitfalls and then map your road. And then honestly, just take action. That's the biggest thing, right? Is you just have to take steps, create a plan, execute, take steps, and then kind of be open-minded to reflect on those periodically, whether it's quarterly or, or semi-annual or whatever it ends up being to make adjustments moving forward based on what you're learning, right? Being self-aware, um, analyzing data, analyzing the market, making sure you're staying up on trends or whatever the, the case may be. So, um, 
take action. I think that's the biggest thing that as far as a piece of advice would be for me is, is for folks is just take action. So, well, yeah, and things change, right? You could, you can plan all day long, but there's always going to be something that throws your plan off. It doesn't matter what, I mean, whatever you do. We just got out of it, right? With the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, we're still in it. We're not even out of it. In fact, I'm shooting this not from my studio today, except from in my house because half my family has COVID. So we're quarantining. And so you have to be able to adapt. And the beauty is um, with technology and YouTube and the internet and so many people you can follow and, and content you can digest. You can learn from so many different avenues at any time of the day. You don't have to go to the library. You don't have to go to school. You don't have to do certain things that you would have had to do in the past, such as networking and finding these people. They're all around you. You just have to look and listen, right? So yeah, I think that's cool. Hey, Eric, what, uh, like, what would be your biggest piece of advice to someone even a company person looking to go the lease owner route or owner operate route, like what's the biggest piece of advice and what was your maybe failure, like biggest thing that kind of was like, Oh, I didn't expect that, that you could share with uh, some of the listeners. Uh, the biggest thing is, is do the research about what company you're going to uh, making sure you understand the ins and out of it and talk to guys who are at that company. Granted, there's some guys who always have a negative attitude, and they're always going to tell you the negative things, right? But there's a lot of guys who are going to be um, uh, great mentors to you uh, and give you advice on how to do things. Like, um, you, you know, driving trucks, truck drivers love to talk. <laughs> and if you go up and ask a question, I mean, I, I've, I've walked up to some of the biggest, burliest guys that you think would just be super mean, and I just say, hey, how's it going? And we just strike up a conversation, and they will give me all the knowledge that they have in regards to trucking and how they succeeded where they wish they would have done something different. Uh, so uh, the biggest thing is, is do your research, find out, uh, find a company that's paying at 70% minimum. Uh, if you're going to be on lease purchase, understand the paperwork that you're signing, how much is, how much the truck is, uh, is worth that you're paying for understanding the terms, uh, making sure that you can walk away from the lease. If you decide this isn't for you, make sure there's not some penalty from walking away from, from the, the lease. Um, and, you know, understanding uh, if funds are going in the escrow, how much funds are going to the escrow. Um, what catches a lot of guys off guard is, is the uh, maintenance of the truck, right? Um, they don't realize that, um, you know, moving from a company side, that some of the maintenance stuff for the truck itself, you may be paying out of pocket. So understanding that when you get that paycheck, right, you need to be putting some additional money into another account just for maintenance alone. Um, so that way, when you're on the road and you blow a tire unexpectedly on the tractor, um, you're, you're not scrambling trying to figure out how you're going to pay for that tractor tire or, um, you know, if you got enough money in escrow, you've got your maintenance account, pull it from the maintenance account, throw the tire on, keep making money, right? Um, it, it's... Um, truck maintenance is probably um, going to be your largest expense uh, for the truck, keeping the truck up, making sure it runs well. Um, some companies only change their oil every 50,000 miles. I'm not down with that. I change my oil about every 15,000 miles, right? It's, it's better for the truck long term, um, but that's an expense that I pay out of my pocket. An oil change for me costs me, if I go through the TA, it costs me about, uh, about $400 in that range, right? Um, but for me, that's preventative maintenance of the truck. 
you've got to know about that truck. You've got to learn everything you can about that truck. Uh, there's some things that you're not going to know, but some things that you can fix on your own without having to get a tow or without having to call out road assist because road assist is not cheap. Uh, there's a markup on the on the parts <laughs> when they come out there, and there's uh, additional fee for them just to roll out there, right? If you can fix it yourself and limp it to a truck stop and then try to get the parts yourself or then put it in the shop, you'll save yourself a lot of money. But uh, the biggest pitfalls that guys uh, come into the lease operator side is they don't know enough about the truck. They just uh, they don't do proper pre-trips, which are important. Um, because you can catch a lot of things before you even leave uh, to get it corrected. Uh, and it, it comes back and it, and it hurts them later on. Uh, but uh, learning more about the trucks, when the truck is in the shop, asking the mechanic questions, ask them what they're doing. If, you're in the sh if they're in the shop and they're not willing to talk to you, that's not a shop that you want to ever return to again. Because them taking a few minutes and telling you about what happened, uh, how they're fixing it, uh, can save you a lot of money later on down the road if that issue happens again, right? Oh, I know what this looks like. He told me that if this happens, do this. All right, so I can go to the truck. I can do this. I can get it running. I can get back on the road to make more money, and I can address the issue uh, either later down the road or after I get that load off my back, whatever, right? Um, so the biggest pitfall that I see guys consistently uh, run into, and it will bankrupt your company so quickly, uh, is that truck having consistent breakdowns? Uh, it's that's the number one enemy of a truck driver, especially owner, operator, lease purchase guy. Um, that will pitch you out of business quicker than anything else. Yeah, and, right, and right. not having the money set aside to fix it, <laughs> anticipating the breakdowns because they happen. Yep. So, Taylor, well, Eric, uh, we have one question that we like to ask everybody, and I know you you just gave a nice, expansive view on your advice to owner operators or leased on operators, <clears throat> truck drivers in general, maybe um, if there was something you could put on a billboard just to broadcast to everybody, not just truck drivers, what would that one message be? Uh, don't be afraid to jump out the window. <laughs> you got to take risk in this life. Um, sitting back and, and hoping and praying things work out um, that you're going to magically make a million dollars will never make you a million dollars. You've got to go out there and try stuff and you are going to fail. I promise you, you're going to fail. Uh, there's, we live in a society to where we think that um, you've got to knock it out of the park on your first go. And that's not the reality that you live in. Um, there, there are entrepreneurs out there that have had uh, five and six businesses not do well uh, until they finally get that one that takes off and they're super successful with it. Uh, and you don't hear enough about those guys and the five or six businesses that they opened before, right? And they didn't work out. And I think it's very important for people to understand those failures aren't failures. They're teaching lessons. They teach you what to do so the next business you open up has a little bit more success. And then the next business you open up has even more success. And then once you figure out your blueprint, all you're doing is you're taking that blueprint that structure and you're applying it that, that's successful right and you're just applying it to every business that you open up because you've already gone through the the pitfalls of things that didn't work out you learn what works what doesn't work you've got the blueprint in front of you you just keep applying it right yeah so you heard it from eric youngblood take risks <laughs> i mean i think i think it's a great lesson people just kind of forget that everybody 
was new to everything at some point and you're never going to learn a new trade. You're never going to learn a new road to go down unless you really are willing to take action, take risks. And yeah, I mean, I think it's great advice and it's something that's probably overlooked a lot that you just need to try things, try new things and get to new places. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's great. Have a good set of principles, build those, always learn from your uh, current and past endeavors and apply that moving forward, man. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time, man. Just a ton of great, valuable content unpacked there. I'm sure that anyone listening to that will be able to find something helpful and useful coming from it. So like I said, I was super excited to have this conversation um, with a little bit of tales from behind the wheel and then unpacking, you know, entrepreneurship, starting your own company, um, some corporate structure, LLC, taxable stuff. Most important, you know, talk to a CPA that is versed in trucking and transportation to get you all the maximum write-offs and best structure and um, and more importantly, a plan. You know, he had unpacked in there, hey, if I do grow and add trucks, I'm going to go escort because of these reasons. And, and there's some other things that obviously you'd want to consult a CPA on. So, um, man, so, so appreciative to thank you for your time, Eric. Um, I know Absolutely. Ryan and myself really are, are truly grateful and thankful that you spent, uh, um, an hour of time with us and, and helping the viewers and listeners. So, um, that does it for this episode. I appreciate everyone tuning in. Thank you so much. Remember we've got a Facebook group now, uh, get a load of this on, on over on Facebook. So follow us there. There's a lot of great information and some, um, discounts from vendors and stuff like that. And this podcast is driven by Valley truck and insurance. Thank you from, from bottom of my heart. Appreciate it. Thanks, Eric. Thanks guys.